Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, it's Melissa Rivers and welcome to Group Text. Stay tuned for a new episode. everyone welcome to group text i don't know about anybody else but sabrina and i have become obsessed with the free britney britney spears the whole movement so we have found ourselves an expert to indulge us in our obsession please welcome tess barker who along with barbara gray known as babs is the host of britney graham britney graham podcast. Welcome. Thank you. Yes. Welcome. Welcome. Okay, you, you started Brittany Graham kind of as a joke. Yes. I mean, yeah, <laughs> we never could have imagined what's happened. I mean, that was never in a million years that we thought was going to happen with show. What, what made you start it as a joke? What was the premise in the beginning? It was just Britney's Instagram. You know, it was this really like enigmatic, mysterious place. And, you know, we used to call it the happiest place on the Internet because it was just always her doing dances or comedy skits or fashion shows. But then there was like a certain je ne sais quoi. Like there was always something a little bit mysterious about it. Um, By the way, I love the fact that you just referred to it as a certain je ne sais quoi. (laughs) (laughs) And que sera sera to you. (laughs) You know what I mean? I think Brittany would approve. Uh, yes. But, uh, uh, so it was just something that we were always talking about with each other and with our girlfriends, you know, like on our group chats. We, it was something that we were talking about in our group chats. And so uh, Babs and I were at brunch one day, and I don't know if you guys remember this, but she dropped a post that was her painting on a veranda with, like, Mozart playing in the background. And I missed the- that one. <laughs> well, it was the it was the impetus for Britney's gram because it was this huge mind fuck of like w- what she was painting wasn't the flowers that she was looking at. It was like this like 360 video. Everything about it was just so mysterious and crazy. Uh, so we had so many girlfriends texting us about it. And Babs was like, what if we started a podcast where all we do is like overanalyze her Instagram? Like it was kind of a dumb idea that we were like, yeah, that's ridiculous. That's a ridiculous podcast. Let's do it. Uh, that's so, yeah, hilarious. But- <laughs> were you Britney fans? Before? Before. That's what I wanted to know. Yes, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I grew up on Britney. I was a child of the early aughts, so I was a huge TRL, MTV person, and uh, and I'm a huge basic bitch, too. So I lo- I've always, like, loved <laughs> that about Britney. I love that she made it okay to love Starbucks and Uggs and, uh, yeah, so I've always... And, ba- and, and gas station bathrooms. Exactly. Exactly. Because that's always everybody's favorite. <laughs> the podcast, though, which is really interesting, it did this pivot... To almost becoming, I don't think true crime is the right word, but it became a detective work. I mean, it became all of a sudden you guys were like, something's not right. What was the, what was the yeah. moment that that happened? Yeah, well, I should say, too, we are actually currently working on an actual true crime kind of podcast about this with Stitcher. So it has literally morphed into a into an investigative podcast. Um, but um 
I think the main thing was I had read an article in the New York Times in 2016 that sort of was questioning, you know, the necessity of the conservatorship and whether it was really appropriate for Brittany to be in one. And I think that was the first thing that gave me some sense of like, oh, that's a little bit unusual that she would be in a situation like this. And that seems like a really restrictive situation. So I think we were all, even though it was a comedy podcast, we sort of were always viewing it through that lens a little bit. And then I was doing prep for an episode, and I think I was just Googling things about Britney Spears, and I found um, a legal document that her then-conservator had filed where he was asking the court for a raise of up to, you know, half a million dollars a year. And that was her dad, correct? So for up until, like, 2019, there were two people that were running her money. It was her dad and a guy named—this is his real name—Andrew Wallet were running her money. (laughs) I literally oh almost just spit out my drink. I know. Oh, you can't make this shit spit up. Take. <laughs> so, who was Andrew Wallet? Was it a manager? Was What's it in a, your wallet? Exactly. Brittany's got money. Um, he was. He's just a lawyer who came on board right at the onset of the conservatorship. And you know, Jamie Spears is not someone who has any background in law or finances, which is its own can of worms. But so I think, you know, up until 2019, he was working in tandem with Jamie to run all of the money and all of the business. Um, But in his documents that he filed to the court to ask for that raise, the language was like really alarming. At one point, he called the conservatorship a hybrid business model. Uh, What? Yep. (laughs) That's not good. Before we get too deep into this, I want to ask you, tell us about the voicemail. Right. Because that really, like, set you guys into a whole other realm. Explain that. Yeah. So I guess I should, to give you quite, I'll walk you through a little. So basically, this Andrew Wallach guy got the raise. That sort of shifted the podcast, right? So I went to that hearing in November 2018. And that day, like, it got us kind of obsessed with what was going on with her legal case. And we started kind of just digging around and finding whatever we could find. Then about a month and a half later, she canceled her residency, which was mm-hmm. supposed to be this big, like, lucrative three-year residency. So that was another thing that was like, what the hell? Then she Wait, was dis- that the one that she was already performing and people were like, it's terrible? Or was that the one where she did the announcement on stage, never stopped, and just walked out through the crowd? That one, exactly. Yeah. That's crazy. That you can yeah. find that one online. I, which I really, it's very bizarre. And I think that, looking back, that actually was one of the first signs that something was going on. But we didn't know. So she cancels the residency. She disappears from sight completely. So we have a podcast about her Instagram. She's not posting on Instagram. So we had kind of by virtue of like the, we just needed something to talk about. So we kept talking about the case. Then that wallet guy resigns four months after getting that huge raise. So we're like, what the fuck is going on? Then two weeks after that, uh, her team submitted like a press release saying that she had checked herself into a mental institution two weeks prior. But she'd been missing for like three months. At this point, we knew kind of like a lot about what conservatorships were. And I'm like, I don't, you know, so on the podcast, we're like, this just doesn't add up. It's weird that she's saying she quit because of the dad. She's been missing for all this time. I don't even know if she can, you know, check herself in anywhere. So we had a voicemail line where it was just for like gay guys to call and leave their like opinions about her fashion shows. Like it was just like a little silly thing that we would play at the end of the episode. For super so, fans. Exactly. So I'm editing that following week's episode and I go to check the voicemail box and I'm like, hey, we probably have enough for this episode. And then I noticed one that was like longer than the rest of them. I'm like, I guess I'll just listen to this one and see what it is. And it's like 11 o'clock at night and I click it and like right away I just hear, you know, in the tone of his voice. And you guys have probably heard the voicemail by now, but um, 
he goes, hi, I just want to let you guys know you guys are on to something because we've been talking about just things not adding up and all that. And he told us that he was a paralegal who up until recently had worked at a law office associated with Britney's conservatorship and that we were right that the timeline was off, that she had been in a mental institution against her will since January and that it was her father that had actually canceled the residency and that the cancellation didn't have anything to do with her dad being sick or anything. Oh, so you had a whistleblower. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. So the world seems to be really catching up with the free Britney. Hold on. Sabrina and I have signs. Oh, my God. I love it. With the free Britney (laughs) movement, which has taken on, especially with the documentary, has taken on all sorts of crazy. It may have gone too far in the sense of just recently two congressmen asked for a review of conservatorships. I mean, so— it's kind of like it started off with fires. As a tax play- payer, I don't really want my taxes going to figuring out Britney's conservatorship. You know, well, you might, um, and I'll tell okay. you what <laughs> conservatorships in general. Yeah, yeah. Walk us through well, that. Please, please, yes. please tell us why. Yeah. Why? Why these two congressmen are suddenly <laughs> hashtag free Britney? Yeah, I mean, I I can't speak to Matt Gates's own personal motivations. Like, there might be some reason he's trying to court younger people. I think with could be. So, hey, yeah, he, he's in Congress. Really can't assume anything about it, any no. of them. No. Exactly, exactly. Um, I mean, I want to hold up a sign that says "Free the Constitution." Right. I've been <laughs> wanting to hold up that sign for a while. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but. I think one of the most striking things that Babs and I have learned and and now that we've been reporting and digging around in the story for a couple of years is how systemic the issue of conservatorship abuse is and actually how shockingly easy it is or would be for any of us, especially anyone that has any kind of money or an estate or anything like that. The safeguards that exist right now in the probate court in order to protect people who are going to potentially be conserved are almost non-existent. Really? Yes. Wow. Do you or Babs have any sort of legal training or any background that, you know, gives you the insight or more insight, you know, to what's going on with her? And and then also, can you explain a little bit about the different conservatorships? Sure. Like which, which you know, which Brittany is trying to and change? And don't worry that Sabrina might be taking notes. <laughs> Don't let that alarm me. Yes, I, I I'm here representing. <laughs> um. So yeah. So for your first question, I don't have a background in law, although I've, I guess it's something I've always been interested in. But I do have a background. I'm a comic, but my day job has been journalism for a while. So I do have a background in investigative journalism, and I've written other stories that required a lot of reading of court documents and stuff like that. Um, but we source a lot of attorneys. So we talk to attorneys a lot at the ACLU, attorneys who work in the probate court. So I've definitely got a lot of my information from people who are who are lawyers. Um, okay, so here's the little conservatorship explainer. So there are three types of conservatorships in California. The first is called a limited conservatorship, which is a little bit of a misnomer because it's it's still somebody else having all of your decision-making power. But that's for people who have generally like developmental disorders, you know, like severe autism or something like that. Then you have something called the Lanterman-Peterson conservatorship, and that is for mentally ill people. 
So usually if you're mentally ill to the point where you need to be in a conservatorship, people that are under an LPS conservatorship are usually like staying in a mental institution. That means you're so mentally ill that a doctor has said, I really don't think it's safe for you to go out anywhere. Now, Brittany is not in a mental health conservatorship. Brittany is in the third type of conservatorship, which is called a probate conservatorship. And those are conservatorships that are generally for extremely elderly people who have dementia and, and truly don't have the capability anymore for one reason or another to provide, you know, food or shelter to themselves. That's the standard for having to conserve someone is that they can't provide food or shelter to themselves. So those are those. And so once you get into a probate conservatorship, there's also two different types there. You can conserve someone's person, and that gives you the right to make all of their life decisions. So this is going to shock you, but Brittany's conservator is the one who decides not only who can come over to her house— where she can go, and who she can talk on the phone to. But she would also make a decision like whether she can get married. So what are they not telling us about? Yeah, why? why what that's, was That's intense. Because, and I just want to roll back for a sec. It has been, I mean, I remember when Dr. Phil got involved. Mm -hmm. The fact that she does have a form of mental illness, which is I believe she was diagnosed as bipolar. and She's you know, never... People have speculated that she's bipolar, but yeah, she's never come out and said I'm. Well, yeah. tell us, Tess, if you know what. Yeah, because I remember Doc, the, that was coming out of the Dr. Phil <laughs> camp, but also which explains the drug use because it's very common for bipolar or severely depressed people to become addicts or go down that path because they're actually trying to self medicate. Mm -hmm. So it may not have been widely known, but the pieces added up. And they always said as long as she stayed on her meds, it was all good. Because that helped her stay sober. It, like, you know, it all was a means to an end of being helpful. So what happened? I mean, I think it's really an unusual... It's What happened, I think, was a failure of the court system to allow Brittany the chance to represent herself. Just but because what was so bad that her dad had to step in? I mean, we all saw the videos and she was, you know, brought out of her house on a stretcher and all, you know, there was something really troubling. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I or, mean... Or at least they made it seem that way. Yeah. Yeah, but I we mean, saw her shave her head. We saw her go after the paparazzi. We saw all yeah. those different incidents. They were we played did. out in public. We did, but it's actually... I mean, I think a lot of the people who are involved in the Free Britney movement are either mentally ill themselves or have a family member who's mentally ill because this really is a disability rights issue. There are millions of people who right. have mental health issues who are not conserved. And, and I think the goal of most conservatorships, even people who are in that first conservative, the second one that I mentioned to you guys, the mental health one, that one, the burden is on the conservator. So every year they have to go back to court and say, yeah, we still think here's why, you know, here's the proof about why I think this person still needs to be conserved in a probate conservatorship. You file and, I need, and we need and we need a raise. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, so how yeah. the hell did they pull this off? And where is her mother through all of this? Yeah, that's a really Change good question. Change to a radiator. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, yeah, her mom came on as an interested party in the conservatorship when, when like, after the voicemail happened and there was that first boom of, of free Britney and Britney asked the court to talk to her, which is Britney never shows up to court. So she showed up this time. And according to TMZ, she read the judge a letter about how her father had put her into a mental institution against her will and was having her take medication she didn't want to take. And at that hearing, her mom came on board as what's called an interested party. So she's not a conservator or anything, but she does have the right to, like, file things and see all the documents that are going on. But her mom is super outmatched in terms of legal power. One of the most, like, messed up things about this situation is Brittany pays, there's, like, 10 attorneys on this case and Britney pays for all of them. To fight against her. Yes. So her so own what money. what was the first impetus, if I, I just don't remember, for her dad to step in? Because I remember at that point, everyone went, oh, thank goodness she's going to get help. Yeah. I mean, I think we all remember 2007, 2008. It was like Britney had crossed over into like a mainstream. Um, in L.A., it was like on the evening news. It was like, here's the traffic report and here's what Britney is doing. Right. So, um. Right. I think it was something that was very much like at the top of mind for all of us collectively just because of how much it was being covered. So I I sometimes look, I remember at the time thinking, oh, this is really bad. But I'm like, would that have been the case if it just hadn't been covered so heavily? Because it wasn't, wasn't she put on like a 5150? Mm -hmm. I mean, all, I remember all of that. I also remember on Fashion Police, my mom coming to us and saying, I will not do any more Britney Spears joke. This is crossed Mm -hmm. into something really awful. That's awesome. Right. It was just indicative that she really needed some help. Yeah. But what about Kevin? What about Kevin Federline? I mean, it seems that he's gone from like a punchline to like a source of stability, you know, for the whole family. What is their relationship yeah, like Yeah, from right punchline now? to almost hero in yeah. dealing with the kids and helping her. Did we ever right. think that Kay fucking Fed was going to be like the paragon of virtue in this situation? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> um, Who knew? So, yeah. So Who knew? by all accounts, it sounds like, yeah, I mean, Kevin is a really good dad and, and spends a lot of the, the bulk of the time with the kids. Kevin has had several protracted battles with Jamie over how much child support he's going to get. So that in 2018, Kevin's child support got bumped up. But that was like a whole thing. Um, Jamie was like refusing to tell Kevin how much Brittany was actually worth so that they could calculate how much child support she actually owed. She actually, he actually, um, owed, but now I think he makes $40,000 a month in child support. Which for the level they live is, is, I mean, it sounds insane, but that's not crazy. Right. I mean, in California, they just take how much money you're worth and they put it into a calculator and then that's what it is. Right. Yes. But I I know how that works. Right. (laughs) 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 Having Um, been on the pay-er side. Right. So Brittany is you. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's called the, it's called the, uh, it's called like the disamaster. It's got a funny name. And basically they take your tax return and the other person's tax return and they plug it in. And there's all sorts of calculations with time spent and this and that, the other, and it spits out a number. Exactly. Yeah. But so Brittany's dad wouldn't furnish Kevin with the stuff to make those calculations. So but there was this whole- I have heard, actually just last night I heard, friends, a friend of mine, her son is in the same grade as one of the boys, and Kevin was one of the parents on the field trip. And apparently was awesome. Like, normal, lovely. So it's, it's funny to me that Talk about not reading 
the book, going by the cover of the book rather than what was really in the book. Don't you? It's, or, or what was portrayed about him, we're finding something right, different. Don't, we're finding there's more right, to his character. Don't judge a book by its cover. But I will say, I mean, Kevin. So, but I want to go back to. Um, I mean, but I will say the, the Kevin that we're talking about, it was the same age as the Britney that we're thinking about. Kevin has had the opportunity to mature and go into his 30s making his own decisions and, and you know, grow as a person. Britney has not had that opportunity. So, right. what, okay, so I want to roll back, though, to the original. First of all, when you watch the documentary, even the most sane person would have snapped, yeah. you know. And then you take someone who's been very sheltered and all the things that happened with Britney, plus, you know, and I'm not saying this in a bad way, a lot of entertainers are 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 bipolar or have depression and it, it it's all part of the psyche very often. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you know that as a comedian. Absolutely, yeah. Comedians are in general very depressed people. I get targeted ads for Prozac, I think, just because of who my friends are. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So what... Why were we, we were also relieved when Jamie stepped in in the beginning. Do you think his intentions in the beginning were real, pure? Pure? Um, You know, I think at the time I thought that. I think knowing what I know now about who Jamie Spears has shown himself to be, I think that that's pretty unlikely. Okay, so who is Jamie Spears? Um, Well, if you read Lynn Spears' book, Through the Storm, which she wrote a few months after, which she published a few months after the conservatorship went into place, she talks about Jamie being a pretty abusive alcoholic throughout Britney's childhood. Um, Britney went and was an understudy in an off-Broadway play in New York when she was like 11. And Lynn talks about how they kind of went to New York to escape Jamie and his temper and his drinking and all that. He was not somebody who was super present throughout her life. And in the year prior to Britney being conserved, he was estranged from Britney. And, you know, they weren't talking. Well, why? I'm curious, why didn't someone from the label or management or another family member or someone step in earlier, like, you know, to stop this? Well, like the woman who's in the documentary. I can't remember her name off the top of my head. Uh, Susan, I would think is the first That was her, like, companion on the road. Like, oh, a family friend. Yeah. yeah, 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 Felicia. That's a good point. Yeah, I mean, I do know that Larry Rudolph, her manager, had had encouraged her to go into rehab, I think, like, a year before. So I Yeah, do we all know he, what a good guy Larry Rudolph turned out to be. Right. Big ol' eye roll. Right. I mean, but that's the thing, is I think when you've worked in this town and lived in this town for long enough, it's like, this story is shocking, but is it? Like, there's so many fucking dirt bags in this town. And there's so much money at play, particularly in Britney's situation, that it's not really that. I mean, so basically... It's not shocking, is what you're saying. Yeah. Because it it does happen quite a bit. Exactly. How how much of it was uh, the drugs? Because I have a... Again, I have a friend who, after she got sober, knew the sober coach, the sober buddy that went on tour with her. And they had very strict rules on tour that there was to be none of that. None of the dancers, the crew, the band. It was a a dry tour. Mm-hmm. So yeah. what what happened with all that? How bad was the addiction? And it, it, where how I still am amazed at how Jamie pulled this off. Right, I am too. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't know exactly. That's a question I don't think I have an answer to. I don't know how bad the drugs were. I do know that. 
Um, you know, Sam Lutfi, her quote unquote manager at the time, was another character that plays a big role in what happened. He's filed court paperwork saying that Brittany was taking a lot of Adderall at the time. So I do know that, you know, Adderall was something she seemed to be using a lot in 2007, 2008. Um, but yeah, I don't know. But you're right. I've heard that from a lot of other people that that's a big part of all the tours and the residencies and all that. They have really strict policies on like drug testing and zero tolerance and not bringing yeah. anything around her. So ha- where is this now? I mean, I I'm st- I was so blown away when I saw the thing with her just coming out on stage and just walking out. Did she know what she was doing? Was that an intentional? Because that was always a thing was like, she's wearing red. That means she needs help. You know, it was a, there was a lot of that, you know. She blinked four times and said daffodil, you know, whatever it was. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, I think at the time I didn't make a ton of it because I have been a Britney Spears fan for a while. And sometimes she is just awkward. And I think that's something that's really so disturbing about her situation is she seems like kind of a shy person. So then you start to think, well, okay, this is a shy person who doesn't seem to love the red carpet situation. She's not making her own decisions. Who's having her go out to the red carpet? Why can't she just show up to these events in a back door like Beyonce does? You know well, what I mean? I'll take a little issue with that. What's the issue? A shy person doesn't get on stage half naked and dance with a snake. Oh, I disagree completely. I mean, some of... I do too. <laughs> I do too. Because, okay, so here's the thing that a lot of people would never imagine. Joan was so painfully shy you would never have suspected that in a million years yeah but she loved a good red carpet she did but she too knew that it was part of her performance she loved to perform she loved her fans so i think you find a balance but she was painfully shy and i understand but okay I, i think i said that incorrectly well i am well because performers very often are shy in person but saying who was making her do this? Who was making her do that? It's part of the job. And most kids who make it to the Mickey Mouse Club or any of that are generally not shy kids. Right. And they're groomed to, to, for the business. Right. And you know your job, which is you don't walk out to announce your residence. Intentionally just keep walking and walk off stage announcing your residency. She was a seasoned performer. Yeah, but I mean, I think the difference between Britney and, and most, if not all of these other celebrities is that, yeah, these other celebrities have obviously a huge team around them that's having that's setting up these events and telling them where to right. go and doing all that. But at the end of the day, they still have their agency. If they don't want to do it at the end of the day, yes. they have the choice not to do it. I, Brittany, I agree. That's why the question was, do you think as a Britney expert <laughs> that that was completely intentional? Yes. Like that was a public cry for things are really fucked up by just walking through and hoping someone's going to read into it. I do. In retrospect, I do. At the time, I did think it was just like Britney being Britney. Uh-huh. But the way that things played out over the next six months and the next year and, you know, her attorney has filed something with the court saying that she's essentially on strike and that she's refusing to work while her father's in charge of her money. And so in retrospect, I do kind of look at that announcement as day one of the strike. By the way... I am so amazed that she is doing that in a good way. It's like, good for her. Mm -hmm. Fucking dig your heels in. Exactly. You know, you get tired at some point. Oh, yeah. Did you guys listen to or uh, read Mariah Carey's memoir? No, I haven't. 
I mean, there's this whole part where she's like, there was like years at a time where I just kept begging people to just let me take a nap. And no one would let me take a nap. And there was like a part where she had to go hide out at a friend's house in Brooklyn just to sleep for a couple hours. Which is, you know, that's a whole other podcast. Exactly. Oh, yes. That's a whole. (laughs) No, I'm saying. But talking about that, that does happen to performers. And, you know, having grown up watching, you know, being submerged in the culture, there are those points that even the ones who were so energetic or like my mom, who was such a workhorse, there were times when she would say, I need to sleep. I need to sleep. Yeah. Right. Right. What do you think is next for Brittany? That's a great question. I mean, I think that it's reasonable that her lawyer will will file something to get the dad out soon. But I'm starting to lose hope about that because he started talking about that last fall. And we've still seen fuck all from him in terms of trying to get rid of Jamie. So that would be a great next step. And it kind of seems like things were sort of moving in that direction. So I think that would be the next big thing. Um and then maybe at that point she would go back to recording or or writing and working on an album or something. And she's an she's an extraordinary performer when mm-hmm. she wants to perform. Exactly. And if you sort of now that you look at it through a different lens, when everyone was criticizing that she wasn't prepared for the first Vegas residency or the only Vegas residency and how it was awful, she, she very well could have been on strike and that was her only card to play. Right. I mean um go ahead. I just think, you know, the only other celebrity that's even close to Britney's age who's in a conservatorship that I can think of is Amanda Bynes. But oh, when I but that's look at a whole, I mean, during yeah. she was like lighting things on fire, yeah. like But Amanda is in a mental health conservatorship mm-hmm. and Amanda has not been working this whole time. Britney has been working nonstop. So I think that's the crux of the issue. Um she posted something the other day that absolutely broke my heart. Um, I'm sure you saw it. It was her mom had sent her a throwback video and sent her of her singing when she was really young. And I think I've got it right here. The quote was, or the caption was, my mom sent this to me and reminded me that I can sing. She said, you never sing anymore. You need to again. I've actually never watched this performance. It's definitely from a while ago. It's from one of the first trips I took alone. Mostly I just remember saying, Wow, Singapore. Like, that broke my heart. Mm-hmm. Mine There's too. something so sad about it. Because your mom, yeah. you feel like the mom is at least trying to break through and say, you need to do what you love. Exactly. Yeah, remember why you got into all of this. Exactly. And just like the metaphor of like, yeah, this is someone who seems like her voice has been taken away. Which is so sad. So, you know, we're saying, what's what's the next step? What's next? Where's the Free Britney movement going? What is she, are you seeing anything that she's posting that's a positive sign? Since you seem to be the Britney whisperer. I don't know. Her Instagram now, in the last couple of years, has just been so anxiety-inducing, to be honest. <laughs> but I think the most positive sign that we've seen recently, I was very proud her boyfriend kind of went out to the paparazzi and and took a stand. And I know that there's like really a culture of silence around this story. So to see someone as close to her as her boyfriend be like, yeah, Jamie Spears is a dick. I don't like the way he treats his daughter. I'll respect him when he starts respecting Britney. This is bullshit. Uh, So to me, that was encouraging because it was like, okay, people that are in the really close inner circle are are seeming to start to break their silence. So, What about the celebrities that have all come out and said free Britney? 
I think that's great. I mean, but yeah, I mean, I wonder if there's any of these celebrities that could actually beyond just posting free Britney, like, can we get some, can we get Sarah Jessica Parker over there to like have a cup of tea with Britney? Like, you know, I'll go, (laughs) I'll go. This is so amazing and so interesting. And even just during the course of this interview, I'm looking at it from a very different lens other than it being like, oh, free Britney to wow. When you start to look back through a different lens, you see the pieces. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I think that's why people get so fascinated with this story is there's plenty of rabbit holes for you to dig around. in, And when you start to see it all come together, it's it's pretty startling. It's really sad. Yeah. Very sad. Very sad. Well, this has been interesting I and fascinating, more than just interesting. Again, <laughs> I'm going to hold up Me too. my free Britney sign. Yay. Britney, if you ever want to talk, I'm here. I'm going to say I'm a mental health advocate. So there you go. There I'm, you go. I'm, an all, I'm an all-purpose friend, and I'm a mom. An all-purpose I'm friend. I'm an all-purpose <laughs> friend. I love that new title. For I've you, gone Melissa. through enough shit in my life that I can easily talk on a number, have firsthand experience on a number of different topics. You're the ranch dressing of friends. I'm going to use that. <laughs> I see a new T-shirt in my future. <laughs> Ted Berger, thank you so much. Thank you for having Thanks, me. Thanks, Tess. 